but so today we're going to continue in our series, uh, Prophetic Living, which is about the life of Samuel, but I have decided to leave Samuel behind for today and uh, come up with something on my own here. Well, it's going to be based on the Bible, of course. We'll see in a minute. It's not going to be based on 1 Samuel. I've entitled our message today, Coronavirus, Faith, Not Fear. So unless you've been living in a cave, uh, I guess you've heard about this, right? Uh, everybody's heard about that. It's everywhere. Uh, the most recent coronavirus, there have been ones before, but this one was reported in Wuhan, China in, on November 17th, 2019, and it has, uh, with modern technology and airplanes and cruise ships and everything, it's spread around the world, and on March 11th this week, the World Health Organization declared it a pandemic. Now, you know, that word sounds kind of scary. Uh, it really says nothing about the severity of it. It just means that it's a virus that's um, spreading community level in a number of countries in a number of regions. And at some point, when it reaches a certain volume, they declared a pandemic. So by March 13th, which was what, Friday, it's my latest stats here, there were 144,000 cases in 130 countries with uh, 5,300 deaths so far. The symptoms for most people are kind of like a mild flu, it's my understanding, but for some it is life-threatening, just like the flu. Um, we don't really know. Some people think it's, it's worse than the flu. And of course, flus aren't the same, are they? Uh, you can look at one year a flu is less severe, another year you have can have two or three times as many deaths uh, because some flus are more severe than others. So we, there's a lot we don't really know about it, but it's, it's something to, as we'll see, to have wisdom over, take precautions that we can, and to trust the Lord. Uh, just on March 13th, President Trump declared it a national emergency. Uh, St. Louis County is a state of emergency, state of Missouri is a state of emergency, and the county banned all meetings of, of more than 249 people, or 250, or or bigger, and so uh, those are the things that are going on. Now, of course, in response, what's happened? Well, the stock market has taken a little nosedive, right? It's down about 20 percent just over I don't know the past week or two, and so you know it's something that's really impacting our world uh, in many different ways. Uh, there are people having to work from home. There are people who can't work anymore. Uh, there's a lot of things going on, uh, even with people that are not directly affected or have not been infected with the, the coronavirus. And so we see a lot of panic. We see some confusion. Uh, we see some fear, some uncertainty. So this morning we're going to talk about how we as Christians, how we as a church should react in such a time as this, because we know God is in control, uh, and he has a plan. So let's look at some verses here. We'll begin, and then we'll get into our main topic in a couple minutes. Verses are written out in the white page that's in the middle of your bulletin, if you want to pull that out and follow along. Second Timothy 1, 7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Fear doesn't come from God. God doesn't want us to be afraid. Uh, believers are to have 
a spirit of power, a spirit of love, a spirit of self-control, which are all the opposite of fear. The righteous person, the believer in Psalm 112, 17, says he is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. Now, this verse does not say there won't be bad news, does it? There's going to be bad news. But our reaction to bad news is not to be afraid, not to be in fear. Why? Because we put our heads in the sand and say it's not bad news? No, because we trust in the Lord. Our heart is firm. It's not shaky. It's firmly placed in trust in God. And so we need to know what's going on, but rather than give in to fear, we must trust that God is in control. But God's word tells us we ought to use wisdom as well in our approach to danger. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him, but let him ask in faith. And so we need wisdom uh, when we deal with different situations in life that have a certain degree of danger, as this pandemic does. We need to use wisdom both on an individual level, as a church level, and as a city, state, and nation level. We also need to be careful, we'll talk more about this in a few minutes, not to let our faith become unwise presumption, but to be a wise faith. We'll talk about that in a minute. But today we're going to look at one scripture. We're going to look at Psalm 91. It's a psalm about God's protection in the midst of danger and how we should live our lives. And so my prayer is that this this psalm that we're going to talk about today would be an encouragement to each one of us in our own lives, in our own thoughts. But it would also give us some truths that we could encourage others with. There's a lot of people that are in great fear, in, in great panic, in great worry. And so God wants to use us to minister to them as well. And so what is our responsibility when we are in crisis? Well, as we go through Psalm 91, we're going to see it has a lot of fantastic promises from God for us when we are in danger or in crisis. But like many of God's promises, the promises we're going to read in Psalm 91 are conditional promises. They don't apply to everyone. They apply only to those who are meeting the condition of the promises. And that's how the psalm begins. It, it tells us what we need to be doing in order to see those promises fulfilled in our own lives. And so the main condition of the promises in Psalm 91 are found in the first two verses. We are to, to live with God. Verse 1, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And so the first condition we see right off the top in verse 1 is that we must dwell in God's shelter. And I've interpreted that to mean to dwell is to live with God day in and day out. To live with God is not just call on him when we're in trouble. Now we'll see there's nothing wrong with calling on God we're in trouble when we're in trouble. But God wants us to have a daily relationship with God to, to live under his shelter in the New Testament, Jesus used the word abide to describe the same concept. He spoke of abiding in him 
as a branch abides in a vine. He's probably speaking of grapevines. And so there's a, a branch there and it, 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 it lives in the vine. Without being part of the vine, the branch would die. But it lives in the vine. It, it's always there. It has a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's how God wants us to live. And when we live with God, we abide in the Almighty's shadow, speaking of God's protection over us. Notice the two names of God that are used in this verse. He is, he is the Most High. There is no power greater than God. There is nothing that threatens His power. He is the Most High. He, he is more powerful than anything. We could name all kinds of things. He is stronger than any disease, uh, any other force. He is the Almighty. Uh, he has the greatness, the power, the awesomeness that has no match, that has no equal. And so when we live close to God, day in and day out, when we live under the shadow of the Most High, then these promises in Psalm 91 can be fulfilled in our lives. The second condition, there's two conditions. The second condition is to speak faith. Verse 2 says, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And so this verse talks about what we say with our minds. How do we speak to the Lord? We talk to God about who he is to us. And here, as this is a psalm of protection, he's our refuge. He is our fortress. A refuge against the storms of life. A fortress against the attacks of the enemy. And those hearts, those words of faith come from a heart that is trusting in God. And so when we speak words of faith, words of trust, they come from a heart of trust. The mouth speaks what's in the heart. And so if our heart is trusting, then our mouth should speak words of faith. And those words of faith that we speak help our heart to trust more. On the other hand, if we're speaking words of worry, words of fear, we know we've got that in our hearts. And so that's a red flag that we need to begin to trust. We need to begin to speak faith-filled words to God. And who else do we talk to? We talk to ourselves, don't we? We need to speak words of faith when we speak to ourselves. We're not speaking to God, but say we're saying, God, you are my refuge. You are my fortress. You are my protector. I don't need to worry about things going on around me. I may need to use wisdom, but I don't need to fear. We also speak to other people. God wants us to speak words of faith to other people, to encourage other people to, to do what? To Trust in the Lord. And so our words to other people are saying, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. It's not going to be okay for some people. But we speak words that if you put your trust in the Lord, everything is going to work out for good. If you put your trust in the Lord, he's going to be there for you. So how do we dwell in God's presence? How do we learn to speak words of faith? Well, the most important way is simply to immerse yourself in God's Word. 
In times like this, I would encourage you to read Psalm 91 uh, a number of times this week. Just read it over until it becomes part of your thinking. Meditate on it. Because there's many things in there that you can use to speak to yourself and to speak to others. And you can use in your prayer life as you speak to God. And as you do that, you're going to prepare yourself not only to see God's protection in your life, but he's going to give you words to speak to those around you who need to, to have some hope, who need to combat worry and fear. And so when we meet these two promises, as we grow in meeting these two promises of living in God's presence and speaking words of faith, we then are able to claim the promises that come in the rest of the psalm. The psalm next speaks of God being our deliverer. We're going to look at two, as two main aspects of God as we go through this psalm. The first aspect of God's help is his deliverance. What does that mean? Well, God as a deliverer means that he's going to save or deliver you from something that has already attacked you or impacted you or bound you. Uh, then you need to be delivered or saved. Something that has already put you in, in serious peril. So what are these types of things? Well, Psalm 91 certainly fits with what we're going through today. This time God delivers from disease. Read verses 3 and 4. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you'll find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. So the first thing that God says it delivers us from is from the snare of the fowler. Uh, that's just some type of trap or net that would catch birds, okay? And so a bird is caught. And so to be delivered, it's like we're a bird and we get caught in some type of trap or snare and God delivers us. He sets the bird free. A deadly pestilence is mentioned here. That's certainly what the coronavirus is. It's like a fowler's trap. You can get caught in it simply by going about life, right? Uh, you can get caught in it suddenly. You have a painful or deadly disease. Now, wisdom tells us to see a doctor if we get sick, and we do that. That's wisdom. But we put our trust in God. He is the one that ultimately works in many different ways to bring healing and deliverance. God is the one who heals even if the doctor prescribes a pill and we get better. God used that to bring healing into our lives. God is the one who heals when the doctor has no explanation and a miracle happens and people are healed that way. And when we are delivered, when we're saved from whatever has attacked us, God, or uh, whatever illness that has been healed, then God continues to protect us from further attacks with this wonderful image of an eagle covering its little eaglets under the shadow of its wings. So God can and he does deliver people from this COVID-19, another name for it, this coronavirus disease. God can and does do that. God also delivers from fear. Verse 5 and 6. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. So when something is dangerous or deadly, the natural human tendency is to fear it. But this verse 
teaches us that those who are living with God, those who are speaking words of faith, do not need to fear. We shouldn't fear anything in the night. We see the nighttime. We shouldn't fear anything in the day, including, here we have it again, the pestilence that stalks in the darkness. Verse 7 goes on to say, A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Now you can have that fear that's just simply bad news. That's one thing. But then you hear, if you hear a thousand people have succumbed to it, or now it's ten thousand, then you're tempted to go into panic. You know, it's like, well, what's going to be next? It's harder not to fear when you see it impacting people's lives. But verse 7 is clear. Even if you see a 1,000, if you see 10,000, God is able to deliver us from being afraid. We do not need to walk in fear. He's able to keep us safe as we put our trust in him. And when it's your time to go to be with him, Hey, that ha it's going to happen to all of us unless Jesus comes again. And how do most people pass on? They get sick. I mean, that's just some people, car accidents, but the majority of people get sick. And God takes them home when it's their time to go. We don't need to fear that either. Because we simply step from this life into heaven to be with the Lord forever. So our message title included the phrase, Faith Not Fear. And as I was thinking about this, the, the two are really mutually exclusive, are they not? I mean, when you're afraid of something, you, you're not in faith, are you? If you're in faith, then you, you really can't fear. And God wants to deliver us from fear. He wants us to trust in him. And times like these are a challenge to us to grow in our faith. When we are tempted to fear, we reject that temptation, and we put our trust in God. Even if you contract coronavirus and you are positive on the test, all hope is not lost. We put our hope in him. He can heal you. He can deliver you. Practically, and this is something I need to do better at, is balance our intake of news with the word of God. You know, it can easily get like, 10 to 1 or something, you know, you're watching the news, what's happening next, and this, this is happening, that's happening, this emergency, and this person died, and this going on here, and it's like, oh, I forgot my Bible reading today. Well, you, you are going to be sorely tempted then to panic and worry and fear. We need to balance uh, our intake of news. Don't stick your head in the sand. You need to know what's going on, but balance it with times of prayer uh, times in God's word. In fact, at times like this, we need to increase our times of prayer and time with God's word. And as you've heard, if you've been here before, we are having weekly prayer meetings now on Wednesday nights. It's a time to gather together to pray, to seek God, and to have your faith built as we pray together in these times, both for ourselves, for our church, uh, for our city, and for our nation. Now, there may be times when you feel overwhelmed with fear and worry, and, and you can't seem to shake it, okay? It happens to sometimes. What should you do? Well, find somebody else. 
and pray together with them or have them pray with you. That's what we're all here for. Give somebody a call on the phone, get together, whatever, and pray together that God would set you free from fear because God wants to deliver you, not only from the direct threat of a disease, which we're talking about today, but from the fear that goes along with it. And so God is our deliverer. God is also our refuge. Verse 9, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. And so this verse 9 is reminding us what we need to do to have the next promises fulfilled. We've already talked about it in verse 1. We need to make God our dwelling place. Not just on Sunday mornings, but all through the week, every day, every minute of the day. And the next verses are for those, because you've made God your dwelling place, this is what you can experience. This is the promise that can be fulfilled in your life as you take refuge in the Most High. There's nothing higher than God. God is going to protect you from evil. Verse 10, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. And so in this section of the psalm now, we're moving from being delivered from something that is attacking or bound us, that's being delivered or saved. But here it's talking about God being our refuge. God is going to protect us from being impacted by things as well. And so in our message, we're focusing on disease, the coronavirus in particular, but there are many kinds of attacks. So, I mean, this psalm is, has a much brighter, broader scope of application than simply coronavirus or disease, okay? But we're focusing on that today. So it's, it's important in all of life. There are many kinds of attacks. All disease at its, at its fundamental level is an attack of evil from the evil one, from Satan. I mean, the reason there is disease in the world is because of sin in the world, uh, because of the fall. No disease or illness is caused by God. It comes from the enemy. And so when we take our refuge in God, he can protect us from evil. He can protect us from plagues. Uh, plagues, pestilence, the same thing. They're types of diseases that come and can wreak havoc on people or even nations. And so we trust God to protect us individually. We trust God to protect our families. We trust God to protect our church family. In fact, we're going to pray that God would protect our city and our nation as well. How does God offer protection? Well, God's got angels. We don't talk about angels enough, I don't think. Angels guard us. Verse 11, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. God has an innumerable number of angels, myriads of angels under his command. And one of the tasks of angels is to protect believers. And so if we are abiding in the shelter of God, God is going to instruct angels to guard you against every attack of the enemy. Now, whether each one of us has a guardian angel or whatever, God dispatches them at, as they're needed. I don't know. I think we all need guardian angels each and every day. And I'm sure if there's, uh, 
you know, if there's replays in heaven, God may show us all the times angels have protected us that we had no idea, you know, the times we would have slipped down the stairs and broke our neck or the times somebody would have hit us in the automobile or the times we would have got a disease, but God protected us. Normally, we can't see angels with our physical eyes. Sometimes God gives people the ability to see angels. We see that in the Bible. Sometimes in life, even today, sometimes people can see angels, but they're all around us. I believe there's angels in this room right now. And uh, it's something we should be more aware of. There's mentioned throughout Scripture. And angels are sent by God to protect his children. We trust God to be our refuge. Now, we're going to jump to a story from the New Testament, but it's still about Psalm 91. If you remember, Satan tempted Jesus. He took him into the wilderness and tempted him. And one of the temptations that Satan tempted Jesus with, Satan used Scripture. He used Psalm 91. And in this temptation, Satan took Jesus to a pinnacle of the temple at the, you know, up at the top part of the temple, temple, high above the ground, and he quoted Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12, which basically said, the angels are going to guard you. Uh, if you fall, you're not going to get hurt. Nothing's going to happen to you. And so the devil said to Jesus, jump, and the angels will guard you. Well, what was wrong with that? Seems to be, I mean, it had some kind of sense, didn't it? How did Jesus answer? He said, you shall not test the Lord your God. I mean, jumping from the temple pinnacle would not have been using wisdom, would it? And you put God in a position that you do something dumb and you know it's dumb and you're expecting God to rescue you. You don't use wisdom. And Jesus said, that's a temptation. That's a temptation to sin. Oftentimes we call that the sin of presumption. We presume we can do anything, as dumb as it may be, and God's going to take care of us. Sin of presumption says, since God can protect me, since God can heal me, it's been taken too extreme by people. I don't need to see a doctor. I don't need to take medicine. God's going to heal me. Everything's going to be okay. And oftentimes it's not. God wants us to use wisdom. God gives us wisdom to take reasonable precautions, to use medicine and doctors. They are gifts from God that he uses to heal us. Now, sometimes, well, many times, doctors don't have the answers. We continue to pray and trust God, even if doctors don't have the answers, that God is a supernatural God, and he can heal us, and he does, as he can work miracles. He can heal in many different ways. But we need to use the wisdom that God gives us in all of life. God is our refuge as we trust him and use godly wisdom in our lives. Now the psalm ends with some more responsibility of us, responsibility in life, with two additional responsibilities in order to receive God's promises. In verse 14, we are to love God alone. Verse 14 says, because he, speaking of the believer, holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. 
And so we must hold fast to God in love. What that means is we must love God alone. We must have no other loves. We must have no other idols. We must seek first his kingdom, not our own kingdom, not the kingdom of somebody else. And when we do that, we see here the reiteration of the two promises we've been talking about in verses, in points two and three. God will deliver us. He will save us if we are attacked by something. He will also protect us. He will guard us from attacks as well. God will rescue those who have fallen into the trap of the enemy. Let's be clear. You can fall into having the coronavirus through no fault, through no sin of your own. Right? Let's not go crazy talk like if you get it, you're, you don't have enough faith. Okay? Uh, it's out there. And if you get close enough to somebody who has it, God may protect you or from it, or you may... You may get infected with it, may test positive. It doesn't mean that you've sinned. It doesn't mean that you've done something terrible. This is true of many diseases and illnesses. Now, we know from Scripture that disease can be the result of sin, but oftentimes it is not. But it, it can be. We have to have that as well as in the Scripture. But usually it is just simply the result of living in a fallen world. Not only can God protect us, he also can deliver us. He can also bring healing into our lives as we trust him for that. The last condition of these promises, it says, because he knows my name. To know the name of God is not just to know God is the almighty, God is the most high. To know the name of God is to, to know him. That's what the Bible uses. The name represents everything that God is. It represents his personality. It represents his character. represents his power. To know God's name is to know God intimately, to have a relationship with God. When we love God alone, when we know his name, we can call on him. We can talk to him. Verse 15, when he calls to me, when the believer calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And so when we're in trouble, it's not wrong to call out to God. In fact, we should call out to God. We use wisdom. We use the things that God has provided for us. When we're sick, we go to doctors. We, sometimes there's decisions to be made. We ask God's wisdom and what to do, what procedure, what Medicine to take. But as we do that, our trust is in God. God promises to answer those who call on him. To rescue them and to honor those who love him. So on a practical level, with respect to this coronavirus, we need to respect the guidance of government authorities that God has put over us. Uh, currently, there's no prohibition against us meeting together. We're going to continue to, to do so. Uh, St. Louis County has made a ban on large gatherings of 250 people or more. Churches are recommended to follow the ban. 
we are not more than 250, so it doesn't apply to us today. The Assemblies of God has told all their churches to respect uh, the government guidelines, and they are doing that. Various larger events of the Assemblies of God have already been canceled. Uh, fine Arts, which a number of our uh, young people were going to be involved in, was canceled uh, for this weekend. So we follow the, uh, the guidelines, and we take standard precautions. You've all heard them, wash your hands, those type of things. Um, and so if you are sick, it's probably the best thing not to come uh, to meetings. But if you're sick, let, let me know, okay? Sometimes people get sick and nobody knows, you know, where they're at. Uh, if you're sick and you can't come, let me know so I can pray for you, so other people can pray for you. Uh, you can get a hold of me through email. It's all in the bulletin, through text, uh, through phone calls. Uh, we'd love to know if you're, if you're ill that we can pray for you. And uh, weekly messages are always recorded on video. And you can, if you have a computer or a smartphone, you can watch them. Uh, they're on our website every week. They go up there. They're on uh, our YouTube channel. And usually they get on Facebook too, although not quite as consistent there. Um, but all those three places, they'll always be on the website and YouTube. Um, if something would happen where we'd have to cancel church completely, I don't foresee that happening, but we'll, we'll find a way to, to uh, continue weekly messages so that you can continue to hear the Word of God. We can continue to encourage one another, uh, even if we couldn't meet for a time, but I don't foresee that happening. So as we take seriously our responsibilities, as we use wisdom, God's going to take care of us. Now, if you're like me, this just kind of crept up on you, right? It was kind of there, and it was kind of in the background, and all of a sudden this week, it's like, boom, you know, it's national emergency, all this kind of stuff. And it's kind of taken us by surprise, but it didn't take God by surprise. I mean, he, he knew it was going to happen. He didn't cause it but he's able to turn it for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He's able to deliver. He's able to protect us from the disease itself and from the fear. And as we walk in faith and not fear, God wants us to see this as an opportunity to reach out to others around us with the good news of Jesus' power. Uh, there's going to be opportunities for us to pray as I already told you, and there's going to be opportunities for you to individually pray for people. Uh, people who are afraid, people who are worrying, maybe some people who are sick. God is our deliverer. He's our refuge. He wants us to speak words of faith to him, to ourselves, to other people. I'll just mention this, you know, all the mega churches can't meet because they're above the guideline. So if you know somebody can't meet, invite them here, okay? <laughs> and uh, unless, you know, we're not going to go past the 250. Uh, well, it's not possible with the number of chairs right here. So we're fine. Uh, and so uh, there might be an opportunity as this goes on. And so let's pray that God would use this time to draw us closer to him, to build our faith, and to reach out to those around us who need him. 
so much. The first step to becoming a believer, somebody who can trust in God to become a Christian is to admit that we've sinned, that we've done wrong things. We then ask Jesus to forgive us. We turn away from our sin. We repent of it. We believe that Jesus died to forgive our sins and we commit our lives to him. We ask him to come into our lives and we make a commitment to following him and his way. So I'm going to pray for everyone right now. I'd ask everybody to bow your heads. If you would like to commit your life to Jesus Christ for the first time or recommit your life today, I'd encourage you to pray along with me. You know, if you've never done this before, and I believe there are some here today who have never committed their lives to Jesus Christ, we're talking about something that impacts not only your life on earth, but impacts your eternal destiny, your forever life after this life ends. Perhaps this doesn't all make sense to you today, but if this is true, which it is, but for the sake of argument, if this is true, that Jesus is the only way to have eternal life, to live with God forever, and you don't make a commitment in this life, you will pay the price. You'll be lost for eternity apart from God in an awful place called hell. Do you really want to take that risk? I believe with all my heart that it is true. And millions of people around the world believe it's true. We've experienced a relationship with God. And so why not commit your life to him? What do you have to lose? But your sin? Commit your life to him. Allow him to forgive your sins. And reveal to you that he is alive, that he is real. And then you'll have eternity with him forever. So let's pray together. Father, today I admit that I've sinned, I've done wrong things. I repent, I turn away from those things, and I choose to believe in Jesus, that he died to take away my sins. He rose from the dead three days later. He lives, and I commit my life to following him as my risen Lord and Savior. For those who are believers today, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together to be encouraged and comforted in our faith built through your word. Today is a national day of prayer regarding this pandemic in our nation, and, and we join our prayers together with other believers across this nation. We thank you for our leaders who are encouraging us to call on you for deliverance from this attack. And so today we ask that you would protect and deliver each person in our church family from being harmed by this virus. Give us wisdom to know how to respond. We ask for your protection for our city, for the city of St. Louis, God, for our state, Missouri, our nation as well. We pray that you continue to give our leaders wisdom in bringing this virus under control. We pray that a vaccine would be quickly produced and used to protect from further infections down the road. 
And as believers, God, we pray that you would help us to be people of faith and not people of fear. Help us not to worry, but to put our trust in you day by day, hour by hour. We ask that as a church family, we'd be able to continue to meet and worship you under your protection. We ask for divine opportunities, God, to lead others to you in this time of fear, anxiety, and panic for many. If we're not afraid, God, keep us simply from grumbling as well about some of the inconveniences that are happening and may happen in the future. Help us to be people of praise, uh, people of encouragement, people of faith. May your peace cover each one of us, God. And may that peace and trust be visible to others, that they would come to us, that we might speak to them about you. God, we pray for all of our missionaries on the foreign fields and maybe in countries where uh, this is even greater than here, God. We pray for your protection on them. We pray for the missionaries who are itinerating around this country, raising support, that you would keep them safe and healthy. We pray for missionaries Richard and Deborah Crabb who are ill right now. We pray that they would uh, soon be healed and be able to continue with your work. Father, we thank you that you're sovereign and you're in complete control. We pray that your kingdom would come your will would be done in our lives on this earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.